Uh, Dr. Luke, in his Gospel of Luke, writes these words about the resurrection. He says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Now the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I was mowing my lawn Friday. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I mowed my lawn Friday. I, I didn't realize what an emotional experience that would be. <laughs> I mowed my lawn on Friday. I, I told a few people about it, like, you know, it was some major event in my life. But I mowed my lawn on Friday. A year ago, I blew my knee out, and my mother died. And I couldn't mow my lawn in April. It grew to be two feet high. A good friend of mine came and bailed it. <laughs> and then mowed it several times after that until my knee got better and I could mow it. An emotional experience of remembering my mother's death. I mowed my lawn on Friday. Over the last year, thinking about that as different things come up and realize that in the midst of her death, there's hope. I remember walking into a room that late evening in Ohio into a hospital room. She had been dead for two hours. We got there too late as we dashed from Iowa to Ohio that night. And as she lay there on her bed, Someone mumbled something, and I didn't quite catch it. And my first words to them was, that's, she's not here. She's at home with Jesus. Now, I ask myself, as I reflect on all of that, as mowing the lawn Friday brought up to me, why would I have such confidence in the face of death? Today, we celebrate life. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Why in the world would I have confidence? as I face the emotions of that loss? And the answer is not found in church. The answer isn't found in doctrine or dogma. The answer is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to share with you for a few moments this morning. So turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter now, in John chapter 11, this is a different resurrection. This isn't the resurrection of Jesus. This is Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. Uh, the entire chapter, chapter 11, is about Lazarus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You can divide the chapter into three segments. The first third of the chapter through verse 16 is about Lazarus dying. So he's died and then the, second, the last third of the chapter from 28 on is about Jesus resurrecting him from the dead. 
And that's where we learn that he comes. Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. And he says, roll the stone away. But before he asks him to roll the stone away, those, that two-word sentence that is so precious to us, it says Jesus stood there at the grave. And what did he do? Anybody? He wept. Jesus wept. That tells us that as we go through difficult times in our lives, Jesus feels that. He experiences that. He moves through it with us. He cries with us. He weeps with us. He rejoices with us. He struggles with us every step of the way. Jesus stood there and he wept. He felt the grief. He felt the pain. But then he said, roll the stone away. And they rolled the stone away. And then he hollered, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> and they all stood there and looked. And to their wonderment came Lazarus walking out the tomb. That's the last third of the chapter. But in between the death of Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus is this middle section that is absolutely critical for us to understand. And I believe it's the point of the whole resurrection of Lazarus is that we realize that life is found in Jesus. That's the key point here. Life is found in Jesus. So let's look at it. The first thing I want you to see here is this. Martha affirmed her faith or her belief in the doctrine of the resurrection. All right? We'll see that here. Notice verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. So Lazarus is dead. Bethany's only a couple miles or so from Jerusalem. So a lot of the people in Jerusalem are now there in Bethany consoling them, grieving with them in their loss. Now, verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So what is Martha saying here? Martha's saying, listen, Jesus, if you, if you had made it before he died, I know you could have healed him. I believe you could have healed him. And even now, Jesus, I believe that whatever you ask of the Father, whatever you ask of the Father, he will grant to you. So if you would just ask of the Father to resurrect my brother, I know he would do it. Now, what Jesus wants her to understand and wants you and I to understand today is this is that life does not reside in anyone else but himself. And so he's going to take her from her belief in his power to do a miracle. He's going to take her from her belief that whatever he asked of the Father, the Father would do. And now he's going to take her in her belief in the doctrine of the resurrection. Notice what he says. He says to her, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. In the Old Testament, we're taught that the Old Testament saints, those who are believers in God, 
on the last day will be resurrected. And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that. I believe that you would have, could have healed him before he died. I believe the Father will grant whatever you ask of him. And I believe in the doctrine of the Old Testament teaching of the resurrection of the dead. But Jesus is trying to funnel her down into realizing that the crucial point of all of this is not any of that. The crucial point is that life is in him. And so this is what he says to her. I am the resurrection of the life. Now Martha, you've got to understand. I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Okay, Martha, understand, it, it, it's great that you believe in the doctrine in the Old Testament that the, old, that the saints will be resurrected. It's great that you believe that I could heal Lazarus before he died. It's great that you believe that whatever I ask of the Father, he'll grant. But Martha, you've got to understand something, that life is found in me. I am the resurrection, the life. Now, as we read those next two sentences there, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then you read the next sentence. It seems to contradict it, doesn't it? Read the next sentence. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Well, wait a minute. The first sentence says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. But if you believe in me, you'll never die. That seems to contradict itself. However, once you realize that Jesus is talking about two different kinds of death here. There's both a physical death and there's spiritual death, right? As a human being, we, we live in two worlds at the same time, our outer physical world and inner spiritual world. And when we're born physically, we are born dead spiritually. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in his letter that he wrote to the church at Ephesus, said that we are dead in our transgressions and sin. That spiritually, even though we're alive physically, in our outer world, our physical world, our inner world, we're dead spiritually. So that when we believe in Jesus, we are, as Jesus said, we are born, what? Again. That we now have new life. When Jesus said, you must be born again, the guy thought he was nuts. He said, how can I go back and be born again from my mother? How is that even? Because he was thinking physically. Jesus was thinking spiritually. That we need a spiritual birth. We need spiritual life. And Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will live even though you die physically. And if you believe in me, you will never Die. You will live forever, meaning spiritually, once you become spiritually alive, you will never die spiritually. So he's talking about both physical and spiritual life here. Now, with those two concepts in mind for a moment, let me just say this. We, we, as a human being, we have both the physical world and the inner spiritual world. And before we believe in Jesus for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sin, we're alive physically, but dead spiritually. Now, that explains some things when you begin to realize that. 
That, that tells me it explains why you can have success in the physical realm and still be empty on the inside, you see. Why you can have fame or power or have all the stuff you want or have a career that's successful or have a family that's great, all of those things and you still are lacking and wanting more. There's a lack of contentment. Why is that? Because spiritually, in your inner world, there's this deadness that nothing of the physical world can fill. Only Jesus, because Jesus is life, and it's in him. That also explains why for those who have believed in Jesus and are now spiritually alive, as well as physically alive, that when things don't go well in the physical realm, when you go through an illness, when you go through unemployment, when you go through relationship struggles, whatever it might be in the physical world that you can still on the inside have a hope and a peace that doesn't make sense and a strength and a, and, a, and, and, and a joy, not a happiness kind of joy, but a joy that, hey, okay, I'm in God's hands and he's in control and I can trust him as his presence with me. And so understanding these two worlds, physical and spiritual, helps you begin to understand why things happen and the way they work out in life in general. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me, I am the resurrection and the life. And then lastly, Martha then asserted her belief in Jesus. She said, yes, Lord, I have always believed you are the Messiah. Messiah means Savior. It means the rescuer for our sins. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world from God. Life is found in Jesus. Now, how can I be confident of that? That's the theme of this whole series that we started a couple of weeks ago entitled, So. Uh, what difference does the resurrection make? And the, and the key thought we have in this series is that we can have confidence. We can have confidence. We have certainty. We have confidence of faith in the face of doubt. We looked at a couple weeks ago. We can have confidence of righteousness in the face of shame that we looked at last week. This week, it's have confidence of life in the face of death. Next week, we're going to look at confidence of power in the face of temptation. So if you face temptation, next Sunday's for you. That means you're all going to be here, right? Okay. But enjoy, invite a friend to come and join you next week. But today is that we can have confidence in life in the face of death because Jesus is alive. Christ is risen from the dead so we can have confidence of life in the face of death. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 is a key verse for us in this. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church at Rome and he says, who was appointed, who referring to Jesus, Jesus was appointed the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The reason why we can have confidence of life in the face of death is because Jesus has the power and is life. And we know that because of the resurrection. He's the Son of God in power. Now there's a lot of evidence for the historical reality of the resurrection. 
One of the greatest ones was the diorama that you saw earlier in the sketch, the empty tomb. You see, when all of this thing started back after Jesus' death, and these folks got all excited and said that Jesus is alive because they saw him in person, and they went out and began to tell other people, literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of both Jews and Gentiles believed in Jesus. Hundreds of them, if not thousands of them, gave up their lives for that belief. And all those who wanted to squelch this whole Christian movement, all they would have had to do is produce a body. That's it. Just bring out the body of Jesus and show it, and it, everyone who said they saw him would be liars. And it would have squelched the whole movement. But they didn't. Why? Because there wasn't a body. The empty tomb is one of the greatest evidences for the historical reality of the resurrection. We can have confidence of life in the face of death because Jesus is resurrected. Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the great... British preachers of a, another century ago. He wrote these words, and it's one of his sermons that he did on the resurrection. And I quote, The life-giving power of the resurrection will be seen if we perceive that our Lord has life in himself. Remember how he said, I am the resurrection and the life? Do not say, I believe in Christ and desire life. You have it. Christ and life are not two things. He says, I am the resurrection and life. If you have Jesus Christ, you have the resurrection. Triumph, therefore, that you possess as a believer this day that same life which is inherent in the person of your glorious covenant head. Unquote. Christ is risen from the dead, so be confident of life in the face of of death. As believers in Jesus Christ, having this confidence, then we should not let the fear of death control us. At the older I get, the more I'm aware of my mortality and how easy it is to begin to fear dying. There's so much that I want to be alive for for years to come. Did you all know I have a grandson? Yeah, I want to see him grow up, right? You know, there's a lot of things I want to see happen. I want to see people on my prayer bookmark come to faith in Christ. There's, there's things I want to keep seeing happen over. I want, I want Cedar Rapids and East and Iowa, East Central Iowa, uh, have a revival happen in this area. Revival, not in the sense of the, the church being revived, but people coming to faith in Christ, and along with that, a church revival. I'm looking forward to things like that. I want to keep living, right? And yet you begin to think of your own mortality. I mean, uh, what was it? Last month's AARP uh, uh, magazine thing, they put out 40 ways to, to lengthen your life. Why are we attracted to articles like that? Well, because we don't want to die, right? But we can't let that control us. By the way, I learned that if you eat eight almonds a day, this is one of the 40, 
If you eat eight almonds a day, you'll, you can increase your life expectancy by 23%. I figured if I just did five of the 40, I'd live forever. <laughs> but the point is, as believers in Jesus, do not allow the fear of death to control you because you have life. You have life. Secondly, as believers in Jesus, enjoy the life God gives you now. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, his protege, in his letter, in his first letter, he, he told him uh, that lot, God, enjoy what God gives you. He says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to place their hope in the things of this world, but in God who gives us all things for our enjoyment. To enjoy the life God gives you right now. Stop thinking, what would it be like if this happens? And, 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 and also being scared of what might happen. Enjoy the life now. Thirdly, as believers in Jesus, because we're not under the control of the fear of death, we can live for a greater purpose. Instead of being wrapped up in ourselves and all me, what I, I got to protect myself and take care of myself, I can live for a purpose beyond myself. I can live on mission for Jesus. I can intentionally care and and, and, and get involved in other people's lives. I can live for a greater purpose, the purpose of reaching the world with the gospel, starting with my little cubicle at work or the desk next to me at school or the neighbor next to me in the neighborhood or wherever it might be. I can live for a greater purpose. And then fourthly, as believers in Jesus, confidence of life, we can live knowing that one day we will see those believers in Jesus who've gone ahead of us to heaven. We'll see them again. We'll see them again. And that gives us great hope in the midst of their deaths. In the midst of that death, we can have confidence of life and we'll see them again. For those of you who haven't trusted Christ yet, uh, you haven't, and the invitation is anyone who believes in me will live. If you haven't, we would just want to encourage you to explore Jesus. Uh, start with one of the Gospels in the New Testament. I, I Personally, Gospel of Mark is one of my favorites is to start reading. But any one of the Gospels, begin to explore Jesus by reading the Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, we have a little, if you're a guest here, we have a little guest bag for you. And in that bag is a little book on how, how good is good enough. It's a good little read to begin to learn more about us as sinners and Jesus and his righteousness and what it takes to gain his forgiveness. So that would be another little resource that we have to help you. We'd love to talk with you. Love to keep exploring that together. I'd love to talk with you after the service. I'll be down here in the front. And then maybe there's some of you who you've been on this uh, investigation of Jesus for a while and you're ready to trust Jesus now. He's prompting you to do that. To anyone who believes in me will live is the invitation. And we want to invite you to do that today. Right where you're seated in the privacy of your own heart, you can do that. If you'd love to talk with me afterwards or someone else, there'll be people at the Welcome Center. We'd be love to talk to you about it, pray with you about this decision in trusting Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for life. And this life isn't in... A belief system it isn't in what we do it's in you Lord life is found in Jesus and because of the resurrection we can have confidence of life in the face of death 
We praise you and thank you for that. Most of the people in this room are already believers in Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us to enjoy the life that you give us now. Help us to not allow the fear of death to control us. Help us, Lord, to live for your mission. To live on mission. To live in such a way that we bring you glory and honor and praise. And then, Father, help us to live with the hope of knowing that we'll be reunited with fellow believers who have already died and gone to heaven. Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. And then, Lord Jesus, I lift up those who haven't yet believed in Jesus. The invitation is there. Anyone who believes in Jesus will live. Father, I pray for those that are here that haven't done that, that they would continue to investigate you. To investigate your truth claims and who you claim to be and what you claim to do and what you did and, and what happened to you. They would begin to explore the, 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 the gospels of the New Testament that, that retell the story of your life that you'd work in their hearts and draw them to a point where they come to believe in you. Father, for those here that may be at that point already, Lord, I pray that they might believe in Jesus. They might have a change of mind and heart, what, what the Bible calls repentance, and have a change of mind and heart concerning who they are and who Jesus is. And that they would turn away from their sin and disbelief and turn to Jesus and transfer all their trust onto Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin. Lord, if someone's there right now at that point, I pray they might do that right now, right where they're seated, in the privacy of their own heart. And may they express that belief in Jesus in a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. And I know you love me. You died for me and rose from the grave. And I trust you now. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me life. In Jesus' name, amen.